Hey, Sandwich Society, before we get started, let me tell you quickly about MandateToElevate.com. That's this episode's sponsor. Mariah and Byron Edgington have got it going on over there. They've got books, the Journey Well series. I've read them. They're terrific. They've got a blog. There's a free gratitude journal you can pick up. Mariah now has a course. Uh, it's a new mentorship community that's going on. It's called Path to Confidence. Sign up for that. It's a four-week course of mentoring and sharing releasing the old, embracing the new. I, I fully endorse everything that they've got going on over there. So go to mandate2elevate.com. Tell them I sent you. Now, on with the show. You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor-turned-Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. I have the privilege of diving into the transformative expertise of a distinguished guest today. With over two decades of experience in mental health, three degrees, a master's in clinical psychology, my guest is a clinical hypnotherapist and expert in emotional freedom technique, specializing in mental strength. She survived an abusive marriage. We'll talk about that a little bit. She has distilled her journey and techniques into the executive code, a guiding system for executives seeking balance and continued success. What caught my eye first before learning all of that was that all of this took place in Manchester, England, but she now resides in Vietnam. So how'd that happen? And how does that fit in with helping others transform their lives? Welcome to the program, Janine Mitchell. She joins me now from, are you in Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City? No, I'm in Hoi An. So we're, um, we're a lovely town just on the coast, just right by the beach, which is across the room. So it's all good. Nice. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for a beautiful introduction. I really appreciate it. It's great to see you this morning. There's so much to talk about. Let's let's cover it this way. Give us briefly the story of how you wound up from the UK where you were doing everything I talked about in the intro. And I mean, you do it now still remotely. And, you know, talk a little bit about the abusive relationship to how you wound up in Vietnam. You were a CEO, a host of Success Mindset TV. What happened? How do you go from being all of that in the UK and leaving it and into Vietnam in a nutshell? <laughs> sure. No, no, great question. Thank you. Um, COVID has a lot to do with it. So all my business went online in 2020 and COVID. I set the business up in 2014 and um, everything went online. And it's always been my my dream to, to move out here. I want to set up a high-end wellness centre. That's, that's the plan. It's going to be somewhere in Asia, either Vietnam or Thailand. I'm headed off to Thailand quite soon as well. Um, mm. But yeah, I relocated out here God, it was 14 months ago now. I said to myself, by the end of 2022, I'm going to have to make that move. And I booked that one-way flight, which was kind of scary and exciting all at the same time. I sold everything. I gave everything away to friends, charity. Came, I came to Hoi An and I didn't know one person when I got here. Yeah, so I was going back talking about this abusive marriage and my, my past, if you like, my history. I used to work in a very, very high-stress job. I used to work with men in prison mm. um, for, for a very long time. I had a lot going on. It was many years ago now. It was over 12 years ago. Um, I lost my dad to cancer at a young age. I was dealing with this very stressful job. I got involved in this relationship. It then escalated very quickly into an, abu an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. um, we did we did get married. 
I was working with all different types of offenders. And I was always one of those people, this won't, people, that, that won't happen to me, mm. you know, getting involved in these sort of relationships. Why don't people see it? This is right. other people that this happens to, right? Because I guess my my defences were down and everything like that, I, I couldn't kind of see that I was in this type of abusive relationship. There was a lot of manipulation and control that went on. But the interesting thing for me was I used to work with men who were all high risk. So mm-hmm. you name it, murderers, sex offenders, right. drug dealers, violent offenders, and domestic violence offenders as well. And I couldn't see that I was in that sort of relationship at first. It took me several attempts, um, and I finally managed to leave that relationship after. Well, why, you know, do you, why, why does it take many attempts? Why, sure. why, doesn't, why isn't it just like, hey, I'm out of this? I think because I was in such a vulnerable position. My dad was 60 when he died. Mm. He was very unwell. I was looking after the whole family. Everything else kind of fell apart. And then he was there. And then when I tried to leave all these many times later, bearing in mind, when you try to leave an abusive marriage, that's the most riskiest time to be abused. Why? Because you're out of that person's control. So the reason why it is so hard to leave, is there's so much manipulation that goes on. Yeah, people will do anything they can to keep you there. Anything. Yeah. Promise I'll never do it again. You know, when we get married, things will change. When we have children, things will change. By the way, I only told a couple of close people about this because there was so much shame, guilt, and sure. all that kind of. You know, but I did this work, and I kind of understood he was doing the very best job that he could do with all his resources, his background, his belief. It wasn't good enough for me, so I did manage to leave. Mm. Um, did you so- go to Vietnam straight away, or was there? So, yeah, I managed to go and I was just in a mess. Like I was on the floor. I couldn't face my life anymore. Right. I couldn't face my job for one more second. I looked about 10 years older than I do now. And I just needed to get away as far as possible. Mm. (laughs) And um, I'd never been to Vietnam. And I, yeah, so I managed to force myself to go to the doctor. He signed me off. And that day I booked a flight to Bangkok. I booked in a five-star hotel for two nights. I just needed to get as far away as possible. Right. And a day later, I went to a travel agent back then. It was 2011, this. And I said, hi, I'd like to book a flight to Vietnam. And they said, when do you want to go? I went tomorrow. And I flew out to Vietnam on my own. Mm. Never been before. Traveled mm. around Vietnam for, for a month. And it was the best month of my life. Yeah, it's, it's a lovely country. I've been there. It's great. Yeah. But I walked back into my life then, you know. I explored places I've never seen. I, I did a lot of work on myself. I met loads of amazing people. So that for me was the beginning of my kind of inner transformation. And then these tools and techniques that I started to learn changed everything. And this yeah. is why I do, I do now. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it to folks who, who have, a. if you've never traveled, you probably need to go with somebody the first time. But once you get a little traveling, you know, under your belt and you're more comfortable with changing money and, and changing airports and that sort of thing. I highly recommend taking a few trips by yourself. I have done that as well. And it is so soul searching. And I, I don't know, you just find out more about yourself when you go alone. And yeah. uh, I, I think there's something to that. That is the question that I wanted to ask next is do you, I mean, it's one thing for us to like hop on a plane, go somewhere for a couple of weeks or whatever, and then come back home. Uh, do you recommend starting life over moving across the world like you did i think lots of people let me ask it this way i think lots of people dream of that they're 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 dissatisfied with Mm -hmm. whatever it is they're doing i mean that's what happened to me i was a lawyer in the united states and you know one thing led to another that let me hear that's a different episode for a different time but i think lots of people dream of like i just want to this isn't the life for me 
whether they're in Des Moines, Iowa or Brisbane, Australia or whatever. And they're like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. What yeah. do, you, do you recommend this sort of solution? What's the high part of it? And then what's the hard part of it? Sure. Yeah. Great question. I wholly recommend it. And, 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 and as you say, just try something out at first. I had a client that I worked with couple of years, two or three years ago, and she had severe anxiety. She she couldn't she couldn't leave the house. Hmm. We worked together for three months and she 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 did amazing, you know, and 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 literally a month or so after our work, she messaged me and she said, um she's you know, she was only young at the time, kind of mid-20s, and she messaged me, she said, I'm going to Lisbon on my own for a long weekend or wow. somewhere wow. kind of in Europe. And I was like, and and she and she she's just relocated to Australia last year. So- uh, the, the last of last year so she's all so, in she's done the transformative yeah, she, she's all in. Yeah. so, so the, what, what i'd say from her story my client there try something try a weekend away maybe maybe near your own country or you know just sure. try it out like i i i, I sold everything to, to, to move out here and the way i looked at it was you know what if i don't like it i can just come home hmm. um but i recommend a short trip so so yeah and, and then you can build and build and build and you know, it, it is good to explore. And, and as I say, what's the worst that can happen? Um, well, well and- that's the question. What is the worst? I mean, that was yeah. the second part of the question. What's the hard part, though? What What is the difficult sure. part of uprooting? Just just one, one point before I go into oh, that. Oh, sure, so sure. What we don't, sorry, what we don't realize is we're actually really adaptable. I came out here, I didn't know one person. And I'm in a foreign country where I live. You know, people kind of speak English. My Vietnamese isn't great. But, you know, I've survived. In fact, I love it. I can't see me ever going back to the UK personally. Yeah, in terms of the hard parts, as you know yourself, it's very hard to say goodbye to people. You know, I've got, you know, friendships and and family relationships back in the UK. So that that is hard. And, you know, there are times, I mean, I've come out here on my own. There are times when, you know, you have to do kind of things on your own. But it's Mm. about, well, how can I... How can I face that head on? You know, it's so much easier now. You can just get on a WhatsApp video call in a second. You couldn't have done that years ago. Right. It's just like like us now. We're just sat there having a nice conversation. And that, for me, just brings back that home familiarity. The only bit I miss, I don't really miss anything else. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'd say you can get a dose. of Whatever you do miss, you can actually get a quick dose of it. Like, I'm I'm an American. I'm from the American South. I like football. Well, all I got to do is like get online and watch a football game. I'm like, okay, I don't need any more. I'm good for a while. Um, Yeah, it's really that fits. That hits the football hit that you need. And you can just get on the TV, have a get a beer. Right. And then, you know, (laughs) then I'm good. I'm back in in Japan here. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned the point about adaptability, that we are all more adaptable. I think than than most of us realize. I mean, you and I have kind of done it. So we're a little more equipped to talk about it and to do it, you know, again, if need be. But in some yeah. people, it's like, I can't imagine. I'm telling you, listener, uh, you can, you you can do it. You are adaptable. You know, it's part, it's, it's innate in the human species is to adapt and survive. Um, yeah. Well, what is the best thing about being, I, that's one question. This question is going to sound similar, but it is different. Mm-hmm. What's the best thing about being an expat? What do you enjoy about like, You'll, especially for, you know, us uh, whitey folks in Asian yeah. uh, countries, <laughs> like we will never, ever fit. I speak pretty decent Japanese and I, you know, uh, I'm married to a Japanese woman. I could get a Japanese. If one day I could become a citizen, 
So technically I'd be Japanese, but I'll never be Japanese. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. look Japanese. <laughs> Everyone will know you weren't really born here, were you? So what's the best thing about being an expat in that kind of environment? And what's the worst? I say this to everyone. I just, I just love the culture out here. Like the people are the nicest people you could meet. You know, I mean, I'm in quite a small place. I went out this morning. I'll go to the market. I'll get some fruit from a couple of breakfasts this week. And I'm like, hi, hi, just saying hi to people. Even you'll be smiling. And people, I, I come from the north of England, which is generally more friendly than the south. Sorry, south people. But if they <laughs> you, say, by the way, my, my second biggest audience <laughs> is in the UK. And the, like there my, you go. Yes. So, so they're listening. I, I Interestingly enough, when I was a flight attendant, the further north I flew, so you've got Gatwick, which is obviously London, mm. Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow. The further north you went, the friendlier the passengers were. Mm. Like we could do a study on that, but but that's that's what I found. <laughs> Scottish passengers were great. So so yeah, um, what was going to say? So yeah, like people out here are so are so friendly, and it, it's it's hard to put my finger on it. But I feel more at home here than the UK. You know, people just start up a conversation with you. They'll smile at you. Um, the food here is amazing. Um, the way mm. of life, you know, like you know yourself, it's just so much more laid back and it's relaxed. Yeah. I mean, it does help. We've got the beach over the road. I met some friends on Saturday. We chilled out on the beach for a couple of hours. And it's just a really relaxed kind of slower pace of life. And it really suits me. And also one, one point that I made a video about recently, where I am, you've not got that, oh, you need to have the latest designer handbag. We've got to have <laughs> right. There's not that, you know, there's not that kind of, there's more to life than designer handbags or designer shoes or so. So people are just very community based here. People are very happy with their, just a lot more present, I think, you know, and obviously the weather helps. The weather is a yeah. lot nicer than Manchester. <laughs> well, um, yeah. To, to that point about community, but yeah, I live in a, in a rural part of Japan, as you know, and like, yeah, the neighbors stop by with vegetables. Like, I mean, that that's even yeah. more, you know, I'm from Alabama, which is already a kind of community folksy type yeah. place. But I mean, this beats that in that term. I mean, like literally, I mean, there's a, there's a plus and minus to that too. There's a little bit of like, everybody knows everybody. And so there are no secrets, but yeah. uh, I don't have any secrets these days. Yeah. I'm just the chill guy eating Japanese vegetables. That's all I do. Yeah. In and as a Westerner, you kind of, I, I'm driving around on my, my motorbike and you kind of, you do stick out like a sore thumb. Everyone just, right. I think That's, just that was the other part. Of, yeah. <laughs> but it's good. I like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do, I do too. I've gotten used to it. You know, uh, it, yeah, there, there are a few moments every now and then I've been here a few years and there's a few moments every now and then. Well, the thing is, I actually forget it. I forget that I just stick out and until mm. I actually see another foreigner. And then they stick out so much. I'm like, oh my, you know, gaijin is the Japanese word for foreigner. And I'm like, oh, gaijin, gaijin da. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm a gaijin. You know, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's what I look like to everybody else around here. And so there'll be a moment where I'm like, oh, I forgot that I look so different, so freakishly different than everybody. But I, I get over it real fast. And I, you know, everybody's super friendly. It's not like they make me feel like an outsider. I just, I'm conscious of it sometimes. Yeah. Um, with with the time we have left, what's your goal? What's your mission now? What what do you what do you do now where you are? How do you find clients? How can they find you? And how do you help them transform? Yeah, sure. So so as I say, um, I set the business up in 2014. Um, everything went online in 2020, and it was at that point I was working from home, and I was like, 
if I can do this here, I can do this anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I headed out here and yeah, the main, the main way in which I work with people. So most of my clients are over in Europe. I do work with some clients in America, Australia, New Zealand. Most of my clients I work with on a one-to-one. So I help clients just make transformative change with their mindset People who are just in a place where they're really stressed out, they're really burnt out. I just teach them these fabulous techniques, like I was talking with a client before, these really transformative techniques that get clients to that next level. So I, I work a lot with executives. So as you said earlier, we created the executive code. Right. Uh, there'll, be, there'll be a book coming out soon. So I'm excited about that. We're just in editing stage. Nice. So that's going to be my first book. We've got some other books coming out this year. So that's really exciting. And of course, I work with, with corporates and organizations as well. So we're helping corporates with their longer term plans in terms of productivity. We're helping staff morale. And I really love working with companies who get that ethos. They understand that mm-hmm. their, you know, their workforce are the biggest asset, you know, and, and a lot of companies still don't get that. What's the best know? way to so, find you? So I do a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, so I used to do a lot of networking in the UK. I don't do as much networking now. A lot of my, I'd, I'd say about 80% of my business comes through LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, I was I was kind of thinking, thinking, I'll come over to Vietnam, people will forget about me. But um, people have really enjoyed my story and somebody who I worked with a couple of years back, he was doing some mentoring with me. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, he said, it's phenomenal what you're doing because you're kind of walking the walk. So yeah, so it's, it's, it's it, business is amazing. I, I love what I do, very passionate about it um, because I get to see such huge change in such a short space of time because we, we implement very powerful techniques. And as you can imagine, when I used to work with men in prison, mm-hmm. um, there was such a revolving door and you get, a lot of guys come in and out and in and out. Obviously, you, you were a lawyer, you know, and, mm-hmm. but a lot of those guys, oh, you know, I'm never going back to prison. And the, but the level of motivation that they had was was very low. And yeah. they had all this stuff going in the background as well. Whereas the client base I work with now, it's just, I mean, I love all my clients. And when we see yeah. change within within the first few sessions, I'm like, wow, this is, this is, I'm seeing incredible difference in my life already. And that's the ripple effect that, that we yeah. have as well. Awesome. Yeah, it's really, really powerful work. Uh, I try to do a segment in each episode called Five Minutes Zen. Can you tell us, for anyone listening who feels like this resonates, like, hey, I need a change in my life, you know, what advice would you give to get them started? I, I know that they could contact you and you could help them through it, but th- this is, I'm not looking for a plug on this one. Uh, this question, like, if somebody's just listening to this and they're thinking, I want to do this, I want to make a change where do I start? How do I begin? What what would be your advice? Yeah, deep down, I, I do the work on a subconscious level. Subconsciously, we don't really want to change because it's easier just to stay the same. Right. For wanting to change some kind of habit or some behavior, whatever it is, we all, we all want to, you know, make plans for the new year, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Just got to remember that deep down, we don't really want to we want to kind of it sounds strange me saying it but we want to hold on to that that old way of being because right. the way the brain is wired the brain is wired to kind of focus on the negative from a survival point of view so once we do that and then we say right we're going to make a change consciously we might kind of say right we're going to feel more confident or you know improve our happiness levels or, or whatever that is but the conscious part of the brain is only five percent you know, we're thinking around 60,000 thoughts a day, most are negative. So this isn't going to happen overnight. Most people are either living in the past, they're in a state of, um, you know, sadness, depression, upset, or we're over in the future, we're feeling anxious, we're feeling worried. We find it very hard to be present. So the Zen is to be present. And if you notice those old thoughts popping up, those old ways of being just like, ah, 
Yeah. That's just the best stuff. Well, I, I did, I did oh. an episode not, yeah, I did an episode not too long ago about uh, those thoughts that uh, there's really two minds going on. There's one that uh, the thinking mind, which you can't really control. Stuff's just going to pop in there. Maybe it's dark. Maybe it's depressing or whatever. And, but there's a second mind. That's the observing mind. It's the part of your mind that's observing the fact that your thinking mind is thinking all the stuff you don't want to think. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that part you have control over. You can have intentional thoughts. So, yes, we got 60,000, you know, thoughts firing away in every direction all day. We can't really just stop that from happening. But what we can do is first thing in the morning, have intentional good thoughts. Hey, I'm going to control. I'm going to own today. I'm going to have a great day today. And you know, at the end of the day, we can have an intentional thought like, I'm grateful for this today. This this happened today and this was awesome. I'm so glad this happened. I can't wait for tomorrow. You know, and if we just bookend our day with positive thoughts, those 60,000 in between are going to get better and better, you know, and it, it yeah. it's a practice. It's a practice. Yeah, it, it is a practice. And I like that bookend analogy. So that first five, 10 minutes, as you say, just set some intentions, do some meditation, some goal setting, some gratitude, because you're, you're, you're still in a very kind of um, suggestible state. You're in what's called a, an alpha brainwave, a lower brainwave. So just to set that intention up the first five minutes of the day is very, very important. And that can then, as you say, sell the Absolutely. rest of the day. Powerful stuff. Really there you is. go. Very powerful <laughs> stuff. Who knows? But you can do that enough. You might wind up in Vietnam or Japan. Uh, well, that's. You never know. <laughs> there you go. Come and say hi to us. <laughs> that's all, folks. Get in touch with Janine Mitchell on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Do that first. After you do that, head over to zensandwich.com and help out the show. I want to continue finding people like Janine uh, and discover more useful insight into mindset like this. I need you to help me to do so. Head over to zensandwich.com. You can find two ways to help support the show there. Janine, thank you so much for your time today. You are one in a million and it's always a pleasure oh, to talk to you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Great to be on. Thanks for having me.